Hi, I'm Johnny Varvel, UK's Editor-in-Chief, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the Varvel Football Podcast. This podcast aims to bring you insight, debate, and entertainment from some of the best and brightest young sports journalists from around the world. Please do give us a listen. You've already started, so I'd recommend staying for a little bit longer at least. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, then please do give us a subscribe. And even better, give us a positive review. Positive reviews are a great way to expand our reach. Not only would this mean a lot to me, but it would mean a lot to over 300 writers that write regularly for Varvel UK. We hope to get as many of them on this podcast as we possibly can over the course of the 2021 to 22 season. Anyway, enough of my waffle. Let's get straight into this. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So you've probably heard that intro a million times. I should probably change it, update it. Maybe it's something for after the international break. I'm joined, however, wonderfully by, well, first time since episode one, isn't it, Brad? Deputy it is, Editor. yeah. How are indeed. you? How are you doing? Good to be back. I'm good, mate. You? Yeah. I, well, I mean, you're just so busy. I was so reluctant to force you on at any point. No, no, but obviously, no. always, always available. Always. Well, I'll, I'll hold you to that in future okay. weeks. When, yeah, I might regret I'll, saying that. You will do. I'm sure you will do. Um, <laughs> it was. It, it felt apt, really, given that it's, it's felt apt, actually, given your you are Manchester football correspondent. It's felt apt, given the on the red side of Manchester, it hasn't necessarily been too rosy over recent weeks that's putting it mildly but you know what we'll save that for a bit later because there's been a few other stories that have gone on uh this weekend Be- where better to start really well there's about seven places to start but west ham and liverpool i mean probably the game of the weekend in terms of a, a spectacle just i mean it was ex-man united manager david moyes wasn't he and his reputation took a dive after that but now he's right back to the days of, I suppose, when he was at Everton and he had so much respect on attributed to his name. He's got West Ham playing some wonderfully effective football. And you know what? It's not even boring to watch, is it? It certainly isn't boring. I mean, some of the days under under Moyes at, at uh, the red side of Manchester certainly were boring. Uh, but uh, underneath Moyes and at West Ham, he is currently shining and he's getting the players that you wouldn't really expect to be shining um mm. fully fully going you know four nails i thought was excellent sometimes he can mm. kind of go in the sit in the shadow of antonio and ben rama and rice but four nails is equally as important and i think you know that performance against liverpool tonight was arguably probably the best performance that we've seen from david moyes as a manager mm. um you know it might be one of the bolder claims but mm. to, to pull off that result under the lights against the liverpool side that are currently enjoying life as, as if it's nothing you know mm. putting putting madrid down in the week they were superb um obviously put five past manchester united had a draw against City. You know, this is Liverpool side that hasn't lost in 25 games. So mm. to so to get that victory tonight, David Moyes, hats off to you, my friend. I mean, it, it really is, it really is a remarkable story, isn't it? Because we often lord managers who come with this philosophy almost taken inspirational, inspirationally from Pep Guardiola, playing out from the back, splitting centre backs, being very open, expansive, conceding lots of goals. But Moyes has generally stayed quite true to his roots, hasn't he? West Ham are they are defensively organized, physical, they like to go direct, but that does that shouldn't take away from the fact they can also play a little bit. They can do a little bit of everything, can't they? And I suppose it goes to the idea and the assumption that it doesn't really matter what your philosophy is too much, but if you fully back it with money, with players that support you 100%, and they all know what they're doing and everyone knows what their roles are, then you can do really, really well, can't you, regardless of what era you're playing in. Yeah, I just just lagged out for a second on that last twenty seconds. What what did you say on that last? Bit? Oh, I was just, I was just sort of saying that if you fully back and support, I mean, I basically said that about five times. But you fully back and support an idea, regardless of what that idea is, you can be effective and successful with it, and it certainly counter counteracts or beats anyone. I might be hinting at something here where the plan and the organisation isn't clear, and people aren't really supporting a, a, a common cause, if that makes sense. 
I think it's working with David Moyes at the minute because he was kind of written off before he even started. You know, there was no real pressure on Moyes to to do well at West Ham. Remember, this is a second spell at West Ham mm. as well, and that went horribly wrong the first time round. Um, but then the fact that he had another chance was, you know, something that he probably wishes he had at Manchester United as well to to mm. turn it around. Maybe not another chance, but maybe a few more months at least, maybe to get to that transfer window, and things could have been very different. But I'll always say this about Manchester United and David Moyes is that. To follow Sir Alex Ferguson, there was never going to be. It was, you know, you didn't want to be that guy. It will kind of be like Jeff Stelling in a few in a, at the end of the season. You know, you, to follow him. Are you going for the gig? I, I might as well put an application. Well you, you, know? Yeah, yeah, you know, you never yeah. know. I mean, never you know, know, they always write off the person after the the great. So yeah. I, I'll take that challenge on. Very uh, good. But but no, Moyes and he's been given time at West Ham, and that's what's been key as well because he's not necessarily had so much pressure, but. As as he does get these results now, the pressure will start to come. And I think this is where we'll see whether David Moyes can take this West Ham side to a new level. Um, mm. Can he continue this, these performances in Europa League? Can he, mm. you know, the, I think after tonight's performance, West Ham fans will be thinking, we're going we're going for the Champions League this year. We're, we're looking for the top four spot. And maybe that is the target for David Moyes. I'm not sure what the board have set him, but, mm. you know, if they could win the Europa League as well... Blimey, they were, they could be on some run of form. And maybe we are just speaking in the heat at the moment because it's a great result against Liverpool. But the, the performances suggest otherwise. You know, they're in great form. I would slightly be concerned. I think you talk about fighting on two fronts. Something actually Nuno Espirito Santos Wolves did really well, actually. When I thought when they were in the Europa League, I thought that might be a detriment to the league. They actually got sixth, I think, and were only a few points off fourth whilst getting to the latter stages of Europe. So it can be done. It absolutely can be done. My worry would be in terms of squad depth, it's fairly solid. But Antonio, who's so integral, even when he's not scoring, he's dragging defenders out of position. He's been an absolute nuisance. If he's not playing, it's not quite as effective as an attacking force. And we saw that actually when Man United went to, to West Ham and won. I don't think they were quite as potent, quite as dangerous without Antonio in the side and without anyone really to step up and and be the man, not just to score goals, but be the nuisance that's needed really as the focal point in that team. We go back to Liverpool, we, 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 you know, the first loss in a very, very, very long, well, first loss actually since I think it's a relegated Fulham at Anfield. So it's, they've come a long way since then. And to be honest with you, I still don't think the performance was that bad. I still think oh, right no. until the very end, they had you on the edge of their seat. If Mane scores what he should score, uh, with a relatively reasonably cha- reasonable chanced header close in. It's a 3-3. Three, three. Um, they were fighting right till the very last minute. It wasn't the best performance by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's the sign of a very, very good team. That even as well as West Ham played, it could have still actually only been a point at the end of it. I do think as well with Liverpool at times, with Klopp's sides, that when they do go a goal down, they seem to pull it back. But then they seem to go for that second a little bit too soon. I know it's never too soon to go ahead, but I'm kind of saying that they then think, oh, we're going to go and get two and three here. And they just keep pushing and keep bombarding teams. And that's what West Ham thrived off tonight because they then hit them on the break and they were quick on the break and they were powerful on the break with Antonio. And it did kind of work that in in West Ham's favour. Uh, because you don't want to sit back against Liverpool. That's the easiest way for them to score. And I think West Ham did it perfectly because they didn't necessarily sit back, did they? They continued to attack mm-hmm. Liverpool and exploited the defence with Alexander-Arnold bombing forward, who was excellent, by the way. Um, I reckon he'd be a great CDMA. Eh? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he's almost an auxiliary midfielder anyway, isn't he? And he, he thrives off being in a free role, actually. Probably why when he, when he plays for England and there isn't that free role, he's not actually the right back because as a right back, which, you know, with the focus on being on defending, like Gareth Southgate said, he's not very good, but everything, well, he's not very bad, but he's not to the standard of his attacking, certainly. And that's why I think he thrives, you notice, at Liverpool. Henderson's always covering that side, isn't he? When Trent alexander arnold bombs forward, Henderson's sort of the scapegoat that sweeps everything up in that area in behind when they try and counter-attack. Of course, it also helps when you've got Matip and Van Dijk, as well as your centre-back partnership. They sweep up a lot of things as well. They're a phenomenal duo. But yeah, I mean, as I said, first loss in the league since since Fulham, which is a long time ago. I think they had a, a centre-back pairing then of, well, two unrecognisable names now when you consider when you consider who's at the disposal at this moment in time. Um, they haven't lost all season, of course, uh, in any competition, I believe. So... 
it's not exactly panic stations, is it? I mean, anyone can have a, a day like this. And they weren't even that bad, really, were they? But is do you th- do you still think they're realistic? Well, they are realistic title contenders. Do you still think, in your view, they can oust many people's favourites in Chelsea and City, or do you think they're still a bit ahead in terms of? I think you know they're now four points off the top, aren't they? And mm-hmm. City are going from strength to strength at the minute. Um, I said at the start of the season, I think City would win the league and I'm, I'm still sticking by that. I think City will uh, pull ahead of Chelsea. I don't think, I don't, I don't see many issues presenting themselves in City side, whereas with Liverpool, I think maybe they'll start to shift their attention to the Champions League um, once the knockout stages get in, you know, full, fully on, on the way. Mm. Um, and then also with Chelsea, I just think, Yes, Chelsea are an incredibly strong side, but Reese James and Ben Chilwell, how many times can you kind of how many times can you rely on fullbacks to score goals? Wing they backs. need Lukaku, yeah, wing backs, you know, the predominantly then they're, they're um, wing backs now, aren't they? But mm. um with Lukaku's goal tally drying up, I know he's been injured, but it was drying up before he got injured. So I just feel like if Lukaku can get firing, Chelsea can still cause some issues um but I, f- I don't think there's many issues in the in the city side especially when pep can drop his 100 million pound man in a manchester derby and still put two past united and make it look like a training session i mean chelsea play united in a few weeks that will be interesting and just just to sort of seamlessly actually you were talking about chelsea so bring the bringing it up now i was at the game at stanford bridge and honestly i've never seen a total domination quite like it where the other team hasn't where the team hasn't won Essentially, it was one of those where everyone in Stamford Bridge, apart from the Burnley fans, were open mouthed at what they'd seen. They just couldn't believe it because it was a complete and utter domination job by Chelsea, strangling Burnley every opportunity. They created many, many opportunities, and it wasn't just by luck or or, or through through a struggle. It was a calculated effort. On the ball, they were moving it quickly, getting it out wide, whipping balls in. When the whip, when they weren't able to whip balls in, they'd find another way. They'd pass through, create overloads out wide. You, to- you touched on Reese James, actually. Literally one of the furthest men forward on the pitch. And it's no wonder because his delivery and his technical ability is outstanding. Particularly every single ball that went in was almost hitting its target every time. He got the assist. That was no surprise. On another day, I mean, Tuchel, I think, insinuated in the first interview that he had literally a minute after the game, they would win 99 out of 100 games if they played the same way. I've no idea how it was a draw. I have no idea. But what I would say to sort of bring that back is that I think Man City and Chelsea, with their coaches, the way they want to play, they almost want to dominate the whole game. They dominate control and dictate the tempo of a match in a way that I don't even think Liverpool do. I think Liverpool, the heavy metal Jurgen Klopp style, they are they are aggressive, they are forceful, they are brilliant and scintillating, but they do not quite dominate games and control matches as much as those two teams, I don't think. So that's why I'd have them first and second favourites, I would, I would think. Don't know what you think on that. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I kind of get the dominating kind of side to that. And maybe that could be one of the negative factors for, for Manchester City throughout this season compared to Liverpool or Chelsea is that Pep's style seems to come before results in a way. Um, mm. You know, kind of, we saw that in the Champions League uh, yeah. final between Chelsea. He, he wanted to stick to uh, what he knew, uh, but also well, did he tried, though? He, tried he, and he tested to play, other things defense, as well. He decided not to play a defensive midfielder for the first time. Yeah, I, I mean, more style of play rather than rather than actual formation or lineup. You know, he can change the lineup, but the way that they play in every game, it seems to be the same, and that could cost City because playing against these bigger teams. I mean, I'm most excited to see Chelsea versus City, if I'm honest. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that well, would be the seen, best We've game. seen it already, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, Stamford Bridge. I the mean, one at the Etihad is <laughs> going to be... Come Fair on, I mean... Enough. Yeah. End of the end of the season drama as well. I mean, that's yeah. just going to be unbelievable to watch, isn't it? But yeah. Chelsea as well. I just feel as though that, that I don't. I just don't see it. I don't see a Premier League winning team there. Um, you know, I see the managerial side to it. I see yeah. Tuchel. You know, he's won Champions League, but Champions League and Premier League very, very different competitions mm. to win. Mm. And I, 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 that's why I kind of feel the same with City. I just feel like City is so good at winning 
over a long period of time going on these remarkable runs of form unbeaten in 23 or 22 win streak they had last season that's what wins your titles at the end mm. of the day is just winning 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 and it sounds so easy to say but mm. that's just not what i see in chelsea or liverpool at the minute that's interesting i completely disagree i actually think chelsea the the makeup of that team is designed to slightly differently to City I think there's an element of pragmatism but that element of pragmatism is almost dashed when you see how quickly and and rapidly that they try to close the ball and strangle the life out of opponents almost always wanting to be on the ball carving out opportunities the the 1-1 draw with Burnley as you say was without Lukaku who'd almost suffered for it through overplaying I think in the Euros then with Inter Milan and of course straight into the fray with action with, with Chelsea we've seen that with a few players actually Harry Kane Kevin De Bruyne both involved in Euros, both prominent figures in the Euros, and then struggling to recapture the form we all expect from them this season. So I actually think the Lukaku layoff might be a blessing because he can come back with a with a bit of refreshed sense of energy and 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 life. And like you say, I think I do agree with you to a point. Lukaku will be key to Chelsea's success, but they've got everything there. They had every if Lukaku had played against Burnley refreshed, I think the game would have been done before Burnley even got the equaliser. But obviously they were a bit profligate when they had the opportunities. But of course, Werner wasn't playing as well and Mount was on the bench. So, yeah, I mean, Barkley started. I don't know. I th- I would still have them as my second. I think City, you're right. I think City will be favourites for the pedigree. I wouldn't rule out Chelsea, certainly. They'd be my second favourites. And you can't rule out Liverpool. It's a very, very exciting title race, isn't it? But, but... It was dubbed as a four-horse race, and quite obviously, quite evidently now, that doesn't seem to be the case. I have to. I mean, we always the, the podcast has been has been completely saturated with talking about Oligon Solskjaer. He's done a good job. He needs more time, and then it's switched back, and you say, "How can you survive after a five-nil loss at your, the at home to your biggest rivals?" I'll ask you the question, then, Brad. I mean, he's staying now indications are he's staying for the Watford game as well after the international break. Hypothetically, if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer stayed until the end of the season and then a decision was made on his future, what range of positional finishes, maybe from fourth being the best to further down being the worst, where do you see United going at their best if they keep Solskjaer? How bad could it get? I think it could get a lot worse than people actually are thinking um i think there is obviously chelsea man city liverpool way better than manchester united there's no doubt about it west ham are now better than manchester united arsenal are starting to become better than manchester united they they're on a 10 game unbeaten run eight in the league mm. brighton i'd even go as far as to say are probably better than manchester united right now not and, Watford though i mean there's a bit of hope there no no, but you're asking you're asking where I think I can where I think I can position them in the league. So I'm going off who's better at the minute, yeah. uh, and I'm just looking at the league. Tottenham at the minute are not better than Manchester no. United, but they soon could be under Antonio <laughs> Conte. Who, yeah. knows? Who knows? Um, and Leicester aren't the same side either. So I think yeah. realistically, you're probably looking at sixth or seventh now for Manchester United. You're looking at dropping out into the European Conference League, and goodness knows what that would do. Um, I mean, I think Manchester United fans would prefer not even to be involved in it at all. Mm. Um, I, I think, you know, I think, what was it? It was Chelsea who benefited under Conte when they weren't in a European competition, wasn't it? And then they went and won the league. I think that, that could be perfect for Manchester United next year. Just completely miss out on it. New manager, only focus on the on the, on the the Premier League. Um, but then you're writing yourself off for a season and it's only November. So that, that's, that's the issue there, isn't it, with Solskjaer? But it, it can't really get much worse, can it? I mean, we say, we say give him time, but and he, he wants to fix it. He says he wants to fix it. He yeah. wants to be the guy to fix. But I don't see what he can fix. He's tried to fix it in the Tottenham game, and that Tottenham side clearly just was, wasn't playing for Nuno. And you were there, you were there. There was, was much there. different much different atmosphere that that Tottenham side were not playing for their manager. This, these players don't look like they've stopped playing for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. They almost look like they don't know how to play. 
rather than stop playing for their manager because they want to get rid of him, which is what happened under Jose Mourinho. And it was so obvious that was what happened. These players don't look like they know how to play. And chopping and changing formations every 45 minutes isn't going to help either. Um, You know, he he tried the five at the back against Tottenham and stuck with it because, you know, I I don't even want to talk about that Tottenham game because it didn't really mean a single thing. I would say, though, Brad, one thing in that Tottenham game that I noticed, it worked so well, regardless of the opponent, was the wonderful understanding of two veteran forwards in Ronaldo and Cavani. I mean, that stood out to me dramatically is that, I mean, the organisation was there against that Tottenham team. We know they weren't necessarily doing well for Nuno Espirito Santo. He inevitably lost his job. But that partnership, albeit, as you said, I think, to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh, combined age of 70 uh, between not Rashford, but Cavani. And yeah, Ronaldo. got that wrong, didn't I? Got that wrong. I had the Rashford question lined up in my head for another follow-up, but ended up messing up the initial question. But, oh, well, what can you do? But with Ronaldo and Cavani, it's not sustainable. No, it I know. That's the issue. It isn't at all. They're, they yeah. would have been great four years ago together, but you can't go back in time. And Cavani, you know, he's he's two years younger than Ronaldo, but Ronaldo looks the fitter one. Cavani's, you know, picks up injuries, um, quite at, often. I, I think that's because of his style, though, isn't it? Because Cavani will chase yeah, down yeah, every yeah. ball, he covers every blade of grass, and he's the perfect example for what you want forwards to be in the modern game. Yeah. Always tenacious, always chasing the ball down. Movement better than anyone. I'd argue he's as good as anyone in Europe for how he met, engineers himself into, into positions to score a goal. Um, even probably better than Ronaldo himself. I, honestly, yeah. his movement's incredible. But you're right, yeah. Unfortunately, he's probably only going to be able to play one game a week maximum. And that's probably being generous, isn't it? Because that's without the niggles that come along with that. Yeah, and I think it also worked so well because Ronaldo's had this kind of partnership before where the other striker or forward does the running for him in Carlos Tevez. And mm-hmm. that won them a Champions League final. Um, that that combination with Tevez, Ronaldo, Rooney, you know, he had players, Ronaldo had players to do the hard work and the running for him. The argument that Ronaldo needs to press more is is, is ridiculous. He's never pressed in his life. Um, the, the, there is no no need for him Maybe to press. Maybe a bench press. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's certainly done a bit of bench pressing in the gym and don't know how many kilograms he can do, but I think he's he's worked on his bench pressing, but he's he's never been the type to press. So why at 36 are people estimating that or predicting that he should be doing it better? He shouldn't. Whereas Cavani, if he was two or three years younger, like we said, they would be the perfect combination. And that's why for spells during the game, when they do play together, they play so well. Mm. but you've hit the nail on the head. It's not sustainable. And a lot of the decisions, I suppose, by Solskjaer really aren't because, as you say, it seems to be reacting to the moment, reacting to the game. Just have to say, because you're obviously the, the Manchester correspondent for Varvel, where has it all gone so wrong? Because at the start of the season, you you would agree with me and many would agree, he'd done a very, very good job at Manchester United. He'd steadied the ship. He'd improved season on season. 5-1 against Leeds. The season started optimistically. How has it all fallen off a cliff so quickly? Well, he's he still has done a very, very good job yeah. at Manchester United. It's not that it's not like his is the, the work behind the scenes and over the last 24 months uh, has disappeared. Um, that's still there. He's still relayed those foundations for Manchester United behind the scenes, which is what's most important um, to, to, to which was most important to him at the start of his reign. So he's, he's done what he was expected to do and he's done what he needed to do. And he's now trying to take it one step too far, I think, out of his capabilities and, and his qualities. He's not got this extra step that he needs to take. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're starting to see that now. And you ask him where it went wrong. Well, Harry Maguire and Luke short on the left side of that defense last year last season were were phenomenal and especially in in the euros as well we saw that and how they've fallen off a cliff has has ultimately been um the downfall for manchester united as well as varan's injuries because i think the i think the the clean sheet record with varan i think he he had a clean sheet on his debut against wolves he had a clean sheet against he he played yeah tottenham um and then who else was there? There, there was a no, no, there wasn't another one. That's the issue. All the, the all the clean sheets have come with Raphael Varane in the all side. All two of them. 
Yeah, all, all two <laughs> in the past 22. Um, wow. But it's not come at a perfect, a, a perfect time for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But where it's gone wrong is the Maguire and Luke Shaw link has rocked that defence. And it's not like they've changed anything with McTominay and Fred. That's still yeah. there. Uh, and I would go as far as to say that those two are still working well together. Um, but Wan-Bissaka has also been shocking this season and his fall has been a slow decline over the past 12 months, uh, which is why I think, and they were so desperate to get Kieran Trippier, but that never really kind of formed into a realistic uh, deal. And, and, you know, I think in January, he's going to be thinking, I don't, I don't want to go there. I'm with, I'm with Atletico Madrid. We're in the Champions League still. Yeah. One thing I would say, and I've sort of raised this in previous pods before and, and talked about it, is maybe... You know, when, when Solskjaer was managing last year, there was a key number one guy in Bruno Fernandes. And it's almost, right, he's my system. Give him the ball, he'll make things happen. He'll score goals, he'll create goals, he'll drop deep, he'll he'll start chant, start um, moves off four goals and start off attacking moves, get the ball to Bruno Fernandes. And you had a, a player in Paul Pogba who kind of liked being in the shadow of Bruno Fernandes. And if, it, if Bruno Fernandes wasn't playing well, get it to Paul Pogba and then he does it. But now you've got Ronaldo, You've got Jaden Sancho, who's a big money man coming in. Is it almost like there's too many eggs in the in, in the basket, so to speak, to, to maybe integrate in? Because when you have a system that's so dependent on an individual like Fernandez, and then an even bigger individual comes in, and then Sancho comes in, another individual talent, I think the need for a, an intricate attacking or, or a philosophy to bed everyone in, it becomes more and more important, doesn't it? when you've got more and more eggs in that basket. And it doesn't seem like there is one, does it? It still seems to be like, right, we need individual A, B or C to step up and do something. And it looks like the individuals don't know which one that's supposed to be. Well, maybe yeah, Ronaldo at the moment, obviously. Yeah, and I don't think the individuals actually know how to play by themselves at times. Mm. Sancho looks lost, although he's performances are improving slightly game by game mm. rashford has been an excellent boost to this manchester united side he's been he's been one of the one of the shining stars in recent performances that haven't really gone very well greenwood started excellent <laughs> is there a badge for that yeah i think yeah. you can get i think you could probably request a medal at the end of the yeah. season for it just only a medal though no give him, a, give him a press pass on varvel's behalf yeah yeah we'll, we'll get him accredited yeah um, but there's there's also Fernandez there, and if you're playing Fernandez, you've almost got to play him in that formation, in that behind the two, whether it's behind the two strikers or behind Ronaldo up top by himself, and that that's already restricting you to having two defenders behind two defensive midfield minded defenders uh, midfielders behind Fernandez, which already kind of restricts what formations you can actually play, because we've seen with five at the backs, three at the backs, whatever you want to call them. We've seen that you can play with wingers, but you'd have to probably get rid of the Fernandez position and, and that's not going to happen, is it? Mm. But if they were to carry on with the 4-2-3-1, you then start to see the issues that happened against Liverpool. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's no... It's a difficult one, isn't it, at the moment? I mean, from just just to summarise that United conundrum, really. Then, do you see Solskjaer staying until the end of the season? And if not, how how do we fix? How do United fix it? Do I see him staying until the end of the season? I don't think. I don't think he can stay if he is to lose to Chelsea and Arsenal. If he loses to Chelsea and Arsenal, regardless of the result of Watford, because it goes Watford, Villarreal away, Chelsea, then Arsenal. Okay. I think if he is to lose those two games, he will be sacked. But I can see a win at Villarreal and a win at Arsenal at home that would keep him in the job. And that would almost almost keep him in. The, the thing is with the United board is, at the minute, they're in a really, really difficult position because Edward Wood is due to step down at the end of the end of the calendar year in December, and his lasting last act as CEO is not going to be to sack a legend of the club. That's I don't think he's going to do that. That's from from a business perspective, that's not really what 
sort of happens in real life. Mm. It's taken away from, you know, the football side of things. If you're leaving, if you're leaving a business, say you're of a bank, you're not going to, you're not going to get rid of the guy who runs it underneath you are you as you as you depart i just don't think that is kind of something that works and equally the other side to it is the new guy coming in maybe maybe they want to make changes immediately but then if that goes wrong they're already on the back foot and they're already under pressure because they got the first decision they made wrong so it's almost one of those don't do anything and kind of hope for the best for manchester united which is how i can see him lasting until the end of the season mm-hmm. but the other side of it is with Manchester United and and you know the hierarchy, they don't like to make proactive decisions on managerial positions. Mm. And until the Champions League is almost mathematically you know impossible to reach, that's when they act. They did it with David Moyes and they did it with Louis Van Gaal. Soon as soon as the Premier, as soon as the Champions League is out of reach, qualification wise they are gone and they're gone very swiftly and we all know why. Mm, yeah. Steve Bruce, end of the season. But yeah, go for it. You know, bring another, bring another United legend in. Kino as the assistant. The, oh, Neville, good. Neville as the director. Sorry, Rio Ferdinand, no, director no. of football. Yeah. We'll have Neville, Neville doing set piece specialists with his right foot. <laughs> yeah, it'll be exciting. Exciting times, I'm sure. Uh, we'll Goodness. move away from that there. We'll well, it's been, it's been a crazy week for managers, hasn't it? Because, Daniel Farker lost his job after winning, as Gary Lineker said on Match of the Day rather amusingly. Daniel Daniel was told to fark off, which I thought was quite an amusing pun, uh, <laughs> which I would have stolen. And I have Lineker stolen. actually said that. He did actually say that. Lineker well, likes a good swear pun without was actually that on. It. Was that on Match of the Day? He said it was that on, on at the end. It was on at the oh, end. I yeah. bet BBC love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't actually break any Ofcom regulations because no. he didn't actually say anything. Of a swearing close, probably very close, yeah, very close. Um, but we'll start with the Farker one. I mean, it's interesting because George Wilson, who was Norwich editor, was is Norwich editor. We haven't sacked George. He was <laughs> also he was you know two weeks ago we we're talking about this, maybe three weeks, can't remember. He was very uneasy after that seven nil defeat against Chelsea. He was actually thinking a change maybe should be in the offing, and yet the general mood from him afterwards was of confusion because of course this decision had been made prior to the Brentford game a game many people expected them to lose because Brentford started very well but in actual fact they put in probably the best performance of the season won by two goals to one Farker seemed optimistic after the game and then was relieved of his duties it's a weird one but if you take that recent result in isolation it's probably shouldn't be an unexpected one should it yeah I was uh, I was reading Twitter comments saying ridiculous timing by the Norwich board and Mm. this and that. And I couldn't disagree more with them, really. I think it was the perfect timing to get rid of him. It's the international break. You know, what's the point in bringing in a backroom staff to be a head coach against Brentford? You might as well give it a last go with Farker and then get rid of him, which is exactly what they did. Regardless of the result, they look under Farker, they look like a team that's, bound to go back down to the championship regardless of that Brentford victory or not I, if Farker was still in charge I'd still tip them to be bottom of the of the Premier League at the end of May at the end of May and uh, end of the season um, so I think if anything it's perfect timing for Norwich because they've now got two weeks to not only find a new manager but then he'll have it you know most of them I don't, I don't think there's too many internationals on on the team so there'll be a lot in in, in training um, and they'll be able to kind of switch it around and get a, get a new kind of flair in the in the in the job and kind of really get a bit more determination because I think they were half of those players will be thinking to what happened two years ago when they managed you know just the one win away from home all season so I think that's mm. what they were they would have been thinking so to get someone in now perfect time no mm. no arguments with that I think it's one of the best times to bring in a manager and you've not got an international break now until March. So when else are you going to do it? You're not going to do it during the middle of a festive season when there's a game every two days. No, no, it's a fair point. You talk with a lot of sense, which uh, maybe you should have engaged us with this debate on Twitter with some of the, some of the other side of the camp. I'm sure that would have been fun. (laughs) I think it was, yeah, I, I, 
it's really difficult because he's done such a wonderful job, not too dissimilar to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, actually, and it's done a lot right for the club. First of all, he got them promoted on a shoestring budget. Then he kept them competitive for half a season on a similarly shoestring budget in the Premier League before it kind of all went sour in that second half of the season, which coincided with the lockdown fixtures behind closed doors as well. So it's not been easy for him. And then he obviously got them promoted at the first time of asking again, under limited financial restrictions. Then they sold Emi Wendy in the summer and that coincided with a bit more spending on new new transfers. But again, they got quarter final as well, didn't yeah, they? So yeah. it shouldn't we should, no one should forget that really. And he has done a quite remarkable job. But I suppose there isn't any room for sentimentality in the game. And you're right. I mean, the performances this season have been worryingly poor and the switch to the back three and five even though it sort of helped them with the defensive aspect of the game, limited their attacking aspect, particularly against Burnley and against against Brighton, where they maybe could have had a bit more of a go. And then they got pelted, you know, seven, not past them against Chelsea with the back five anyway. So it has kind of been coming and you're absolutely right. It does make sense to do that. What I think will be interesting is the way they go now. I mean, one thing about Daniel Farker is he has a, a blueprint, a philosophy that is all about being taking risks from the back all the way forward to a fault even because Norwich have conceded a lot of goals trying to play expansively, but they've also entertained a lot in that way. So I guess it makes sense for the board to look at someone who wants to have a similar mindset. Or would you argue, therefore, that because it hasn't really worked at this level, they should go for more of a survival specialist? That's almost a swear word these days, isn't it? Because the likes of Allardyce, Bruce, Pulis are almost... So frowned upon now, yeah. What do you think so about that? So frowned upon, F. So frowned upon to bring in a manager that's really good at saving teams. It seems, but a it's weird, true, isn't it? People, people weird, are scared to do it. Yeah, it's a weird theory that I think only social media could bring out. I don't think twenty years ago people would be complaining. You know, social media I mean, brings out complaints every. 20 seconds yeah and i think down in the pub 20 years ago you'd be saying oh allardyce is doing a great job isn't he yeah, he's yeah kept yeah. him up again we might need him at the end of the year sort of thing but also Why is he so years- frowned upon it's just wrong yeah. they do a great job and they just get you know slaughtered for the way they play but it works and if it works you know don't fix it yeah, but 20 years ago, I suppose, you'd have also said, "What? why is the goalkeeper trying to play out from the back? And why are the centre-backs <laughs> splitting? It's very different, isn't it, the way we play? I mean, that. that still gets on my nerves, the play, that goalkeepers and teams that try to do it and that so obviously can't do it. That mm. really gets on my nerves. It happened at the derby yesterday, actually. Yeah, yeah. De Gea was trying to play out the back with Maguire and Lindel, uh, Maguire and Bailly for about every time there was a goal kick, and it got to the point where the United crowd just started groaning, mm. and De Gea lashed his arms forward yeah. to get his team up the pitch, and it was one of the biggest celebrations of the day. Yeah, well, there wasn't much to celebrate, though, was there, no, from the red no. half? No, and and Van der Beek came on, and that was one of the most <laughs> biggest the celebrations. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Standards are changing. They are changing quite a bit. I, they are. Um, I mean, we'll talk... So, actually, I didn't quite get an answer then. So, if you were Norwich's manager then, would you... Okay. Norwich's board, would you appoint someone with a similarly progressive philosophy, i.e. Lampard's being touted at the moment, actually? As no, not Lampard. No, I thought that too. But he would sort of fit the remit for someone that wanted to play a more attacking brand of football. Uh, I think they should just swap managers. Dean Smith go to Norwich. Really? That's Farker, Farker goes to Villa. That would shake things up. That could well, be quite interesting. That was very clever if you intended it, because that was also the next segment or, or discussion point was actually, well, what's going to happen at Villa now? Because Dean Smith's gone. My big argument with Dean Smith was another another manager who's done a phenomenal job taking them from the championship. But I don't think he ever convinced me with a philosophy or an, a way of playing when Jack Grealish wasn't in the team. No, and no, yeah. That's an issue, isn't it? When he gets sold and you bring on all these stars, it, it looked again a bit quite confused. They played in a back three quite often with wing backs and they've actually played some quite decent football at times, 3-0 against Everton. They played well at Stamford Bridge despite losing. But all the way through the Premier League time, I've always thought, hmm, how do they want to play? What is the way that they play? Obviously, you could say, well, we like to be progressive, but c- can we really see patterns of playing motion or is it just a, a word we like to use to because it's fashionable I, I don't know I've always thought that with Smith even when 
when Grealish was injured, we saw it last season. We've seen it this season in quite a few games as well. The Southampton game was a poor one this weekend. And then even when they came up and they signed all of those players for nearly £200 million, they only survived on the final day of the season. So even though he's done a very good job, you can kind of understand why I think he was relieved of his duties. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You know, I've seen many Villa fans outraged at the decision that was made this afternoon. But if you look at it from an outsider's perspective, the board have backed him. They've brought in signings that have cost lots of money. Um, and Villa simply cannot afford to go down after what they've spent and, mm. and how much money they've invested into not only Smith, but the club, mm. you know, that, that it was almost, I was actually listening to a podcast the other week on, I think it was Derby and Villa and how that game against the playoffs probably would have in the playoff final probably would have seen either side in Derby's position now had the result gone the other way. Mm. So that's why I think Villa can't afford to mess around now. They need to stay up. It was always going to take time after Grealish um, departed when you lose a star player like that, that carries the team so, so well and kind of makes everything kind of mold together up top in a way. That was, that was what Grealish was so good at doing. I think they made a big mistake in signing um, a, a striker rather than a, a midfielder or, or, or a defender in the summer. Not to say Ings was a bad purchase. He scored some valuable goals, but I think there was other positions to, to kind of bolster up before Ings in a priority sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't answer your question on Norwich. I think they should. I thought I think they should bring in someone. Norwich going back to Norwich. I think some they should bring in someone that can keep them up because that needs to be their priority. They need to last in the Premier League for at least a season, like for for the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. But I still think, and this is the fans' perspective as well, that some. Some Norwich fans believe that they'll go with another foreign manager with a style of play rather than and rather than a saviour. I don't think it's time for Villa to bring in a saviour like Allardyce or mm. Pulis. I don't think they're quite in that territory yet. Um, more, more like somewhat, you know, I think it should be op- the opposite, actually. I think maybe Villa should bring someone in with a philosophy mm. and Norwich should bring in a lifesaver. That's, Villa- that's my thoughts on it. That's it. That's a that that sort of writes itself. Good headline, actually. Um, Hassan to link with Villa. I yes. mean, I, I called this. I said this quite a while ago. I think it'd be a perfect fit in many ways. I think if Hassan Hutter went to Villa, Southampton would go down. I do think he gets a really. So, yeah, I think he gets so much out of that squad. A squad which seems to me, well, Tino Livramento is fantastic, actually. So I'm going to take him out. But apart from him, he's superb. Fantasy yeah. team galore. Oh. You know, clean sheets, yeah. assists, you name it. He, he's proving to be a rock at the back for me. Nobody's fantastic. He's actually fantastic as an individual, yes. as a fantasy asset. He's superb. Jez Ward Prowse, too. Phenomenal. The rest, Mm, not bang too average yeah really is did well to sell on Vestergaard I have to say yeah. Lest, Lester kind of fell into the trap of panic buy for him he mm. he was seriously a, a good uh, a good sale for them but it'll be interesting to see I mean Gerard's been linked as well I mean I'm not I'm not too convinced Gerard Southampton is, 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 a, is a go I think Hassan Hutel ticks a lot of boxes, but whether he'd leave Southampton is another story. I think there'd be big trouble if he did. Also managed Ings and he plays a 4-4-2 with a high press. Ings and Watkins, oh, I think that'd be exciting. Yes, it would be very, very exciting. Conte... Armstrong. I think Armstrong's a bit... I don't know, I feel like Armstrong... Just scored the winner this weekend or Friday night, so yeah, let's I know, cut him feel... a bit of slack. Yeah, yeah, we'll cut him some slack, but I feel like Armstrong isn't the type of guy that you can replace Danny Ings with. No. I feel, you know, I know he did. He was excellent for Blackburn, yep. but as we've seen with Norwich, those two leagues are just so different. They are, they are. Conte, first game, went under the radar, was terrible, but <laughs> it really was. We were debating whether to, whether to go and actually cover it. Then in the end, neither of us covered it, and maybe it was a blessing. It was, it was a game yes. where Tottenham had, Tottenham, I don't think Tottenham had a shot on target. But they did there was the n- there was no no shot on target. I'm reading now and expected goals of 0.72 to Everton's 0.56. So we missed out on a thriller. There. Well, well, no, I did catch. I did actually watch quite a bit of this in in some capacity. Did you? I did. Yeah, and it, or covered it, shall we say? I I, w- I was keeping up to date with it. We'll say that, and it was quite 
Yeah, it was not good. It was quite... Uh... XG in the second half for Spurs, 0.09. Only beaten this weekend by Manchester United, 0.06. Well, there you go. Ollie's at the wheel, isn't he? But I think it's one of those where... Wagon wheel. Wagon wheel, yeah. Um, Vitesse, the game with Vitesse was so good for the opposite reason. Tottenham looked brilliant going forward and they were shocking at the back. And it's almost as if Conte said, right, well, we're not going to be like that against Everton because... They, they could beat us if with that open at the back. So a bit of pragmatism, but it's kind of affected how they're going forward. And then Everton were better. They were, they were more up for it. They were more lively. They're still without some key players like Calvert-Lewin and Ducore, but they were competitive. It was just one of those games. I think Everton really didn't want to lose. Conte really didn't want to lose in his first game. You'd expect more, but at the same time, it was a sign that actually there's a hell of a lot of work to do. Conte might be a, a genius. He might be a, a maverick and a magic man, but he's, you know, he, he's not got so much magic that he can just change Tottenham overnight. Yeah. And I kind of fell onto the, the hype train of Tottenham this, this weekend, because I brought in Harry Kane into the FPL side. Oh, did you? Um, I was kind of expecting an instant comeback, which never, you know, really performed. No. Um, but Conte will get them going. He will. He will get this Tottenham side turned around. It's yeah. rather, you know, it's a matter of time, not really if. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the game, I thought Everton kind of looked like Everton, if that's possible to say. What do Everton past- look like? Blue shirts? <laughs> yeah, the, uh, blue, blue shirts and, and kind of looking over for constant direction from Benitez without truly knowing what he's saying. Yeah. Um, maybe but, overcom- yeah. maybe overcomplicating things. Maybe. I do think under Benitez at the start, the emphasis of being quite basic, getting the ball out wide, crossing the ball into Calvert-Lewin, had the, had the basis of a very good winning formula. I actually think that, that Calvert-Lewin's injury was so big because for the way they were playing, lots of balls into the box, target man, he was perfect for it, wasn't he? And 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 really, the fact that he's been out since I think game week three, four, game week four, I think that's had a massive detriment, detrimental effect on their attacking play. I think, especially how you see where Everton, excuse me, where Everton started the year last year with Calvert Lewin banging in the goals, wasn't he? Yes. Um, yes. And he was working working well with Richarlison up top, mm-hmm. um, but it's not helped that. They've lost Decore for six weeks. Yeah. Um, he was running the show at one point. Townsend's kind of fallen off a little bit. It was it was it was a big ask for Townsend mm. to continue that form that he was mm. in. Um, Pickford is is a different player mm. playing for Everton. He's he he he's the Ramsdale of Sheffield United at the minute. I, I think. You think? I, I think he's. I don't think he's played too badly. I'd say the defense. When you, him. I think it's when you're looking from looking at how he did in the Euros. I think it's very different. You know, I'm not trying to make a direct comparison here, but in terms of goalkeepers in the Prem at the minute, he's probably down there, isn't he? I mean, is there any? Is there any worse? I'm not convinced by either of Southampton's number ones of, of no, McCarthy yeah, okay. and Forster. Uh, yeah, Forster's yeah. 38 years old. Oh, what a cracking save today! It was though, a great it? save. I also had a Bamiyang yeah. in my fantasy team, so cracking maybe isn't the right word I'd use. Annoying okay. is probably more of the more of the word I would use. Are, what other keepers do we have? Melier for Leeds. I like Melier. I think he's he's got something okay. about him. I th- I, I'm going to argue differently. I think Pickford's form for Everton's actually been very good this year. The start of last season, it was really poor. It was a mistake again. Yeah. But this year, there has been a, a marked improvement. He's a tremendous distributor of a ball. I know you love that, being a, a, a fan of modern-day football and philosophies <laughs> playing out from the back. But he is a very, very good distributor. He's a very decent shot stopper. And I don't think he's been one of the Achilles heels for Rafa Benitez this season. The people in front of him, the organisational lack of in front of him has been a major issue. Now you can argue maybe the keeper should do something there, but he can't organise 10 players. I think they have to look at themselves a little bit. I mean, against Watford, it was pathetic, but they were quite good, actually, against Tottenham. They were competitive. And I know you're a busy boy, so I'll make this the last one. Eddie Howe, Newcastle. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Yes. I mean, Graham Jones, three games in charge, two draws and a loss. Arguably, that's 
well, just a continuation of what Steve Bruce was doing, really, because yeah. as you'd expect, he was one of the main coaching staff. Still winless. Yes. Newcastle, which is a record, isn't it? I don't know. Is it a record of 10 games? How many are we through? It would be really funny if it was because Norwich, everyone would have backed Norwich, wouldn't they, to get that record? Yes, it is a record. It It is is a record for since 1920 something. No team in the top flight of English history without a win after 11 games. That's crazy. So so Newcastle are breaking records left, right, and centre, actually. Yeah. I'm sure, Um, I'm sure Ollie could have a go, can't he? Maybe extending that run. I don't know. It depends. Yeah. Yeah. Ollie in. I mean, yeah, he he might have something to do with that, actually. Uh, Maybe, maybe. Big money deal over to Tyneside. He's been playing 4D chess, hasn't he? Adopting Conte's style to get Nuno Espirito Santo the sack, to get Conte at the top of the job, to keep him in a job. It's like the man is one of the most intelligent secret agents in the footballing world that I've ever seen, (laughs) I must say. I must say. Don't quote me on that. I am joking. That was sarcasm. But on how then... So I mean, back I, to Eddie Howe. Yeah, I see it. It's interesting. He used to manage. He used to manage Burnley, and I remember when he came to Burnley. Actually, when he when he took over at Turf Moor just before Sean died, he really struggled with the homesick element of it because it was the first time he'd managed or had been quite away from home for a sustained period. Wasn't a big fan, from what I understand, of living in the north because he was missing his family and it was very inconvenient. So naturally, it made sense to go to the northeast to manage <laughs> new two hundred miles more north. Yeah, exactly, very true. There but, is no more northern side in the Prem. No, no, there's not. I mean, you go into Scotland, aren't you? Really, if you go anywhere yeah. north to there, yeah, so you might as well be in Stephen Gerrard and Rangers and Celtic territory. Well, he was linked with Celtic, wasn't he? And he turned yes. the job down, actually, potentially for those reasons. But now maybe he's had a change of heart and a big pay packet to, to, to go and take the job. I think I, I think the Newcastle salary could tempt me to live in Newcastle. Yeah. Only well, just, I, only just. But... The nightlife's very good, apparently. So as I've been told, as, as Harry, uh, Premier League editor and Newcastle editor would say, the nightlife is very good. Away the lines. Yeah. Apologies, but, Harry, for yeah, this Newcastle yeah. slander. And any Newcastle listener out there or fan. But yeah, I mean, how established Premier League manager has a blueprint for playing very, very exciting, open and attacking football. But the Achilles heel for Eddie Howe teams, and it always has been the Achilles heel, is that defensively, he doesn't seem to have a blueprint for organisation or keeping teams out. His philosophy is almost... Wheels go. Wheels try and score four if you score two, as opposed to we'll get one or two up and then we'll hold the lead. So and that might and that might work for Eddie Howe because he can just go and sign whoever centre back he wants. Uh, they might not need a philosophy if he just goes out and gets Sergio Ramos on a free when his contract's terminated by PSG next month. Yeah, it's looking that way, isn't it? I mean, it's really <laughs> inter- it's interesting you say that, but at Bournemouth he had some fairly solid. I mean, he had Nathan Ake in the back four, yeah. but even then it, it still didn't necessarily stop them from leaking goals. And again, it's all about the risk reward thing, but because the philosophy is quite risky, it's going to leave positions open at the back but at the same time you know progressive managers in of times gone by have found a way to keep shutouts or keep goals conceded to a minimum but it's something that's always followed how around i think how do you think he's going to do personally on a serious level well i do think that newcastle defense is probably as equipped to deal with premier league strike forces as my local non-league team is um, Nantwich Town, up oh, the dabbers. Yes. Up the dabbers, they are called. The Dabber Dome is the yeah. nickname for the, the stadium, even though it's called good. the Weaver Stadium. The Dabber Dome. So if, if any listeners are in the area, get yourselves down to the Dabber Dome Dabber and Dome. watch uh watch the beautiful green side play. The, but, Dabber, the Dabber Dome. Yeah. Who, who are the owners of the Flintstones? <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. The Dabber the Dome. Dab- it's the nickname from fans. It's not necessarily the given name for the stadium, but oh. it is known as the Dabber Dome. Is it close to Northwich by any chance, Northwich? It, it's not far from Northwich. I've it's got a lot of friends in Northwich. Half an hour, 25, yeah. 20 minutes. There you go. A bit of geography there. Close enough. Yeah, close U- enough. UK geography. So uh, by that yes. logic then, is it better to have a coach that just says, oh, to hell with the defence, let's score lots of goals? Or is it better to have a coach that comes in and says, right, the defence is pants, I'm going to make it less pants by 
essentially making us more organized and and I don't know. You could argue both ways, couldn't you? Really, whether it's yeah. If the plan, them. if the plan for Newcastle is to is is for Eddie Howe to keep them up magically, then Eddie Howe probably isn't the right man to do it because of that defensive lack and inability to do so. But he's got a January transfer window. You know, he's gonna have. I think he might have at least sixty million to to play with in January. Mm. And who knows how much they'll have next summer, whether they're in the Premier League or not. I mean, we could potentially see next summer, uh, next year, the, the highest points tally in the championship. And Mbappe Reddit. in the championship. I mean, that would I, I would pay good money to see that. Yeah. And then he'd say, I've always wanted to play in the championship. Yeah. That was my dream since I was four. Exactly. And he had and... pictures of Steve Bruce on the wall. <laughs> I <laughs> should hope his, not. What was he wearing? In, in was he wearing anything? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe he has some different ideas of fun to me. But I think that, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a great. I'll tell you one thing though. What we should say in defence of Eddie Howe, regardless, under Steve Bruce, Newcastle didn't really have a defensive organisation. They didn't really have a defensive plan. And going forward, it was just get the ball to Alan St. Maximum, which is quite a good plan. But again, it's not very. It, there's there's no real blueprint there. So if sustainable, the word of the podcast. It is sustainable living, sustainable. Yabba dabba dome is the word of the podcast. That's sustainable second. <laughs> Up the dabbers, come on. Up the dabbers, very good. But again, it's like the previous instalment of Newcastle manager before Graham Jones didn't really set the standards high, particularly this season. So he can't do any worse, can he? No. He well, says. could he? He could do worse. He could do worse, you know. He could. But he'll at least have the backing of the fans, which will help a lot, I think, with the players on the pitch. Yes. Because constant abuse from one to 90 is never a nice thing, is it, to hear? I mean, no. at Tottenham United last week, I felt so sorry for Nuno after about the Lucas Moura substitution because it was just a barrage of boos and chants against the manager. Now, that might have had an effect on the Spurs players. Maybe it didn't. But Nuno to Villa? Nuno to Norwich? You see, I think they could do. I, I actually think Nuno's a very competent manager, and I don't. I think maybe the Tottenham job was the wrong job. Uh, I think he was massively disrespected from day one, actually, in that job, which I wrote a piece on. Go click. And they, and check they it out. never wanted him. It's just such a weird appointment. He was never the number one. Well, what I had an issue with was when they brought him in, he, and Daniel Levy said after two days, "Oh, I want to play. I, I, we're going to play exciting football. Why did you hire a pragmatist then?" Yeah, I just don't get it. It's just so disrespectful. Never seemed to, never seemed to really work on either side, did it? No, it just, it just, it just ridiculous, and it serves him right that he had to give him eight million pound payout. Yes, mean, I, I would take that. I would, I, I would do that. I is would. this is is football the only industry where you get paid for failing? I think, I think UK politics will rival um, okay. football at the moment. I okay, mean, we've so got Oli Gunnar Solskjaer saying uh, the Man United DNA. Well, what's the Man United DNA? Then on the other hand, you've got Boris Johnson saying, let's level up the North. And I say, well, what's level up mean, Boris? So I think, yes. I think, I think both have elements of... Excluding politics, though, a regular yeah. or a standard job. If I go to Morrison's on £10 an hour yes. and I... Do you, do you to... work at Morrison's on £10 an hour? no. No, it was kind of the job that popped up in my brain. Oh, as right. you know, Morrison's ten pound an hour is probably very good. I'd assume might might be worth might be less than that. Yeah, maybe I'm being optimistic for Morrison. Maybe Sainsbury's is more ten pounds an hour, or or possibly or a um, Waitrose. Waitrose, I can see being ten pounds yeah. an hour. Yeah, where are you going with this? Um. I'm saying that football managers get paid for failing too much. Ah, and okay. I know it's in their contracts mm. and they do ve- they have very experienced agents to do that. Mm. But it, I feel it's the only industry where you get paid for failing. And it's How would you fail one. at Sainsbury's? I think if you didn't if you specifically if you told, told a customer to if F you told a kiss no 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 not, no, not even that i don't no. think that's failing i think that's being plain rude oh, you know nuno, nuno, was, nuno was never rude nuno he was, was a nice man he still donated very... a quarter of a million of his own salary to the homeless charity ward yes and you could be a very nice man and be bad at your job mm. 
And I think in Morrison's or Sainsbury's, whichever one we want to use, I think if you other, were to... Other supermarkets are available, carry on. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, whatever you want to say. Let's say you you just work at a supermarket, okay? We're not, we're not judging other supermarkets here. No. I think the way you'd fail is probably by not putting the food in the right aisles many Oof. time after time. I mm. think that would probably constitute as failing, mm. would it? That'd be that'd be bad. That to be fair. Maybe that's a discussion for another day. It probably what, is. What, what is a failure as a supermarket assistant? I do podcast think... number one hundred and two during an international break. <laughs> it probably would be actually quite yeah. apt during an international break. An international break coming up next week. Actually, if I okay, we'll see that. you next yeah. week for <laughs> yeah. supermarket failures. How to fail in a supermarket for dummies. That's really interesting. And obviously don't do that because, again, if you're a student or you're doing part-time or you're doing full-time... You will need that money. You will need that money. And you won't have a payoff. No, you won't. And also... You can ask your employer, but you won't get one. No. and So save your breath. And Big Daddy Boris won't be there to help you out unless you happen to be on his phone book, in which case he might help you out a little bit. But (laughs) he might do. He might do. I'm not going to be political, but he might help you out. I don't know. Wonderful discussion ended off in a very, very strange way. As as Brad said, next week, join us for slightly more relevant discussion. Yeah. And more employers. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. And politics. Now, I'll try to avoid politics, to be fair. Goodness. Goodness me. Like, comment, subscribe, review, rate. All really important stuff. I said that at the start, but you've probably forgotten now. So do all of that if you can. If you can't, still do it. Still do it. You know. And don't lose your jobs. No, don't lose your jobs. Unless you hate your job, in which case... Lose do, it. Yeah, and do like, um, like Kevin Spacey before he went a bit dodgy on the film, which I can't remember. What's the film, Brad? You've seen the Are film? You on House of Cards? No, not House of Cards. Um, oh, this is going to this is going to rattle, rattle. American Beauty. That's oh, the one. Okay. It was a good film. That I recommend watching it if you haven't already. American Beauty. Watch it. Great film. All about life and jobs being rubbish. Join us next week. Thank you. Stay safe. Like, comment, subscribe, review, rate, and thanks for listening. Have a wonderful rest of the week.